Madison's Alternative, 106.7 The Resistance. This week on the Disruptor Series, I'm joined by Matt from Low Moon. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy to talk to you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Really happy to speak to you. When looking at your Wikipedia page, it seems like the band saw success pretty quickly. Does it feel that way to you, or did it feel like it was a long time coming? Oh, no, it felt like a long time. I mean, it's an interesting one because the, the first single we put out was a song called Loveless. And when, when I started writing it, and by the time it came out, it was about seven years or six years. And uh, it just went through so many reiterations. And I had been, prior to that project, you know, the beginning of, of starting Low Moon, I was a singer-songwriter and was touring by myself with an acoustic guitar and um, opening for people like Howie Day and, and did was in a was in a totally different headspace and scene, um, and so when Low Moon started, you know, happening, I guess I uh, I was just basically like, oh man, wow, okay, you know, you get to a point where you you don't know if it's ever if it's ever going to happen if anybody's ever going to listen to it. So I was just super grateful at at the time because I had I had taken a leap of faith and kind of changed directions completely, and yeah. So Low Moon started with you, but how did it become it, a band? I started um, with Loveless, and I moved out to L.A. I was really positive that it needed to be, that I needed live instrumentation, and I needed it to feel like a band. And I met Chris Anta and Sam when I moved out here, and we basically got in a room, and I showed them some songs, and I was like, I don't know. I mean, I know there's a lot of bands out here, but I have some songs are you guys down to, to chase something with me? And, you know, they did. And we jumped in and opened up the can of worms that was loveless, that was supposed to be done, and, and worked on it as a band. So, and from then on, it just kind of, it was pretty obvious that we just spent hours and hours in my garage basically trying to get that chemistry. So this is, here we are, in the, hundreds of shows later, etc. Yeah. In the seven years that it took for this song to evolve from an independent passion project in your room to a full band, was it almost like watching a child grow? Yes. I mean, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And, you know, nurture it and be afraid and not understand. I mean, I don't have a kid, but I imagine it's <laughs> scary at first. And I don't know. I mean, I think, I think with anything you do um, that you're passionate about, you know, there's, it's always, it's always like, you hope that people like what you're doing. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you do it for yourself because it, it's cathartic and it's what keeps me going. But there's a level of obviously, you know, you hope people enjoy it and they, and that they get the same joy out of, out of it that you do. The band page is pretty active on Twitter and is sometimes used to promote other artists is that something that's important to you to support other artists and the scene? Yes, a hundred percent. I just, I, it's, it's, it's weird because I sometimes feel like, and maybe this is just living in Los Angeles, but it feels like it can get competitive in this scene of making music in LA. And I, I I'm an East coast guy. I grew up in, in New York and I'm into this camaraderie of team. And there's a lot of amazing art. And if we can do anything and use our platform, sometimes I'm like, oh, I wish our platform was bigger to really help other other artists more. But it's like, 
you know, that's how we've been embraced. We've just had really good support and a lot of and a lot of really great artists that have helped us along the way and taught us stuff. And and I just think that it's like it's so important for the music scene. It's just so important, and it's important for art. That's why we, you know, it's hard enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's hard enough. On your personal Twitter last month, you said after getting dropped during the pandemic, dealing with the pandemic, and not knowing the future of music in general, it felt like this day might not ever come. I'm more excited for the future of this band than I've ever been. Is that still true? It's more true today. We're in rehearsals. We're getting ready to to start touring for next year. We're just so elated to get to play together and play this new record and these songs just feel like a, a band you know we made the record with the intention of being a playing it live mm-hmm. on our first record there wasn't really that thought we were just making a record and figuring out how to be a band and then we went out and played a lot of shows so we came off the we got to make it a record that feels like a band and it's like i think we're we're getting better every day we're pushing each other to be a better band and i am more excited about the future of the band now than I, than i ever have been when you're thinking about labels and all and the industry, all that stuff just goes away when you're playing music with your friends. It's just, it's, this is why we do it. So there was kind of this three year period where we didn't really see you much, but you guys were still like writing and making music. Were you guys doing shows or was it more of like a, a hunker down and see where this goes? Well, it was that, I mean, we came off the, the last campaign, tired and I think I was I had a little bit of soul searching too I felt like my expectations for the first record were not met on my you know for myself I didn't feel like I maybe made the record of that I you know I don't know when you're an artist you're always searching you're always constantly working to get better and and Mm -hmm. also just like you're pushing yourself so I think we came off that campaign being like, okay, we need to hunker down and make the next record. And what do we want it to feel like? And, and I was going through a a lot of emotional stress of, you know, having this pressure put on myself. And I felt like we had to figure out how to be a band again. And so I think we spent the time wisely. We took some, we took some time away. I went and wrote, I got back with the guys and wrote, wrote together with them. And then, you know, rehearsed a bit and then the pandemic happened and, we had a record pretty much done. It was it was a whole process. So now that we're like at the other end of it, it's, it's amazing. In an interview from last month, you said that you work hard not to let the complexities of life suck the hope out of you. I find that very relatable. <laughs> oh, great. I'm glad. <laughs> it's just true. <laughs> yeah, and it, it goes with your new single, Dream Never Dies. I also like some of the stuff that you retweet when people are like, it's such a hopeful song, and it brings so much happiness and, and the ability to dream to people who hear it. What was the song for you before you released it? It was that, honestly. It was, it was a lot of... It was a reminder to myself to stay full of wonder and stay hopeful and continue to dream. And I think I was yearning for times that were easier when you're younger and there just isn't that anxiety of life, you know, of everything feels like, Oh my God, this is so much. I mean, I'm talking, I wrote this song before the pandemic. So it's like, it had nothing to do with that. And then that happened. I was like, Oh my God, this song 
And I just believed in the song, and it's been around, obviously, for a while since we released it. You know, and it's just like this song is that for me. It's, it's that reminder to stay hopeful and to dream like a kid and to, to, to be okay with that. And there's, you know, I think it was, it's steeped in nostalgia. It's steeped in big questions. You know, if I could bring you back, um, you know, we get older, we think about losing people close to us. You know, that's a huge, that's a fear of mine, just losing, losing my parents or losing people that mean some, you know, mean something to me. And you don't think about that when you're a kid, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you don't think about that. And you don't think about anything, you know, that could put you off your path. So yeah, that's, that's where that song really came from. Why do you have the lyrics for that song on your website? It's an interesting question. I, I'm always careful with how much people should, you know, I'm like, do people care about the lyrics? And for this song, I just felt like it was important to have the lyric up there. And I think if people are into it and they read the lyrics, it might mean something slightly different. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think it's very hard. Some people are lyric people, some aren't. I am. So uh, I think it was just a, a choice of if you go read it, maybe you'll get more out of it. And maybe you'll see something else that um, or read something else and, and have it mean slightly different things to you. Yeah, kind of like reading the book versus watching the movie. And the movie's just never, never as good. Never, <laughs> ever, ever. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's one instance where it is. <laughs> Well, so. you're going to be your own worst critic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, hopefully the song is better than the lyrics. <laughs> uh, um, listening to it should be better than reading it. Yeah. In this case. Can you tell us about Raincoat Chronicles? Yeah. Um, I think this was definitely a reaction to all of us staying and being home and the pandemic and trying to connect with our fans, really. We knew we weren't going to be touring. We knew that Instagram Live was the way that everyone was communicating with their fans, which was, which was cool. It was, and we did a few of those. And I just woke up one morning and I was like, you know what? I think what, what we should do is, is create, again, it goes back to kind of creating this scene of people that we find interesting and inspiring to keep us going and we should interview them in a way that's more interesting than them just writing text. So use photos or videos for the answers or songs. And it also gave us an opportunity to cover some songs from home. Like we covered Bonnie and we covered uh, from Prefab Sprout. And we covered Planet Caravan from Black Sabbath. And like, it gave us an opportunity to record without the pressure and to, re- and to, you know, have some fun with, with it. We did anything by Adrian Lanker, the lead singer, Big Thief, who we love. So it was, um, for, it started as a way for us to connect with the fans. And the interviews were great. Like we interviewed Adam from the War on Drugs. We interviewed Warren Foos, an amazing music video director, uh, Logan Browning in, uh, Dear White People. Like, so it was really cool. It was able to, we were able to connect with, with collaborative and collaborate with artists that we love, uh, in an interesting and cool way. Um, and I guess it goes back to the same thing. Just spreading art, more art, is, is, is good for society. We all need that. <laughs> do you think it'll continue, or do you think it's kind of retired oh, yeah, you know, now that you're about to head on con- No, no, we've been continued. The covers is, uh, we, just timing-wise, we haven't had as much time to, to cover, but there's a new one coming out 
next week with like a special video. It's like a really, uh, you know, I'm obsessed with fan bases and uh, fan clubs. Like, I'm, I was a fan, like, I was a fan club, what do you call it, like, follower or, or paid subscriber even for, like, Waste, the Radiohead fan club. And, like, I always used to get, like, emails. And then when I was a kid, I was, like, obsessed with Dave Matthews' band, and I was part of the warehouse, and I would get excited when they'd send me the, like, calendar. <laughs> so I like, I like that. Like, I, and we weren't doing any of that early on, and I, I, I see Raincoat Chronicles as, like, our diehards. And, you know, fans seem to really like it. And we can continue to communicate there rather than social media, which, or as well as social media. Social mm-hmm. media can become tiring and um, vacuous at times for me. So I, I, wanted, I wanted a different way. Do you agree? Yeah, there's a lot of competition on social media where a lot of times you're not even reaching the people that you want to be reaching. and It's algorithmic. Yeah. Algorithmic. So having Whereas the fan Franco clubs. Chronicles goes straight to your inbox. You can open it or you, you don't have to, but people are opening it, so that's cool. You're about to head out on tour with the War on Drugs. Unfortunately, you are not on the tour dates in Milwaukee. We need to get you in Wisconsin next year. I know, I know. We will be, we will be, 100%, so, on, our, on our own our headline tour. Okay, so you guys are working on a headline tour for 2022. Yep. yep. What else is coming up? Do more music, yeah, more music, hopefully a record, and, um, you know, lots more touring. We just, you know, I think that's really what we love to do, so we're going to try to stay out as long as humanly possible. (laughs) 2022 is the year you hit it running? Oh, yes. I hope we never come home. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully the rest of the band feels the same. Yeah, they're down. They're down. down. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're going to check out Dream Never Dies by Low Moon on The Resistance.